everyone, uh, Dave here. I uh, hope you're all doing well. Uh, thanks for coming along to another episode of Legends of the Spire. Um, on the podcast this week, I have managed to speak to another member of the FA Cup semi-final squad from 1997, as we spoke to Mark Jules. Uh, now, Mark Jules uh, is one of many players uh, for Chesterfield down the years who have joined us on the back of playing really well against us, uh, in his case, when he was playing for Scarborough. Uh, and he spent uh, many, many years with us in the 1990s under John Duncan. Uh, like I say, we had the promotion uh, in 1995 through the playoffs uh, and then obviously the uh, semi-final a couple of years later. So plenty to talk about. Um, one of the things Mark's probably most well remembered for, I suppose, is being the guy in John Duncan's squad who was the, uh, the man marker, who would uh, follow the danger man around the pitch, stick to him like glue and not let go. Um, that's thanks to really many of his attributes, in, including having uh, amazing pace um, so he could keep with people. So it was really interesting talking to him about um, how much he enjoyed following people around the pitch and running after them. And then obviously uh, that all came to a head, I suppose, in the semi-final game in 1997 when he was man-marking Janino uh, for pretty much a whole match. Um, which uh, doesn't sound like a great amount of fun, but he got his shirt at the end, so that's all that matters, really. Um, we are um, at Spire Legends on Twitter and Instagram and Legends of the Spire on Facebook, so please do uh, get in touch. Uh, let me know what you think. Uh, let me know who you'd like on, and we'll see what we can do. Um, but the podcast that you're about to listen to or watch, it starts with me just admiring Marshall's backdrop, as he has a half-and-half um, framed Chesterfield shirt and Janino shirt from that semi-final which is a thing of beauty so if you're listening um, on one of many podcast providers uh, then do go onto the YouTube page just to see what that shirt looks like because it's an absolute beauty um, but here we are with the latest episode of Legends of the Spire with Mark Jules It's a great backdrop. I know that, that's because nobody ever sees it. I know I used to have, I'm not saying I'm sentimental, I used to have the two shirts hanging in my wardrobe back in my old house on just two wire hangers. And I did somebody a favor. And obviously, they've seen them in there. I couldn't believe that they're in there. And I don't know how they managed it, but they snuck them out. And because I did them a big favor, and next minute turned up with the shirts <laughs> in a frame. But they still be on the wire hangers. <laughs> What, which which Middlesbrough player is it? Janino. Oh, it is Janino. So you didn't yeah, get it. Just before Mark Williams got there, I said, <laughs> "Thank God, I've been minute. chasing him around for most of the games." So <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I've been man marking him all match. Yeah. <laughs> I heard about Mark Williams basically spending the whole match trying to kick the ball out of the stadium. He normally does that. That was his forte. That Willow, because obviously Old Trafford. Obviously, it's quite hard to get it over those stats. I think he nearly managed it. I don't, I don't know whether he managed it, actually. But he's, uh, he was pretty good at that. Nearly every stadium that we played in, he managed to get the ball out of the stadium. Yeah, I think it was t Tom Curtis, when he was on the podcast, said that it was like a thing that he had every game to try and yeah. get the ball out of the ground at least once, <laughs> which is some, some achievement. You can get it out of, uh, get it out of there, crikey. Wow. But yeah, if we start at your, at your beginnings, if that's all right, you were... You, you're a Bradford boy? Yeah, from Bradford originally. Um, I wouldn't say I supported Bradford. I, I watched, I liked watching football. Um, I kind of, I, I think people wind me up because I'm you know, from Bradford. I, I was really into Tottenham Spurs 
Mm. Probably not, but, but it's around the time. Do you know when they're in the FA Cup? Do you know every young lad, when you're watching football, you want to play in the FA Cup? And obviously Tottenham at the time were very good in the early 80s in the FA Cup. So I kind of had a, had a thing about, you know, Tottenham Hotspur uh, originally. Um, but growing up in Bradford, I ended up signing schoolboy forms for him at 18. At 14, sorry, because he signed um, schoolboy forms. It was Terry Dolan, who was the ended up being the manager at the time. He's involved in the youth. Um, he signed me at 14. And then when I joined Bradford, actually he, was, he ended up being manager, Terry Dolan. And he wasn't there for long with, before Terry Orff came in. Mm. It was quite hard. Uh, it was hard but fair. And then Norman Hunter was originally was his assistant, who was, you won't believe, was the nicest guy that he could ever come across. <laughs> not to say what he was like on the pitch, but not... He was, he was like a fantastic guy and, and uh, Terry Orff was as well because I, I saw him many times you know after I'd left Bradford and he was at Huddersfield and other yeah. and he'd always have a good conversation with you and I remember when I was at Bradford because I, I was there as a apprentice for two years and a, as a pro for one year but I, even though I remember in my second year as an apprentice I think I don't know why I ended up in Terry Orff's car and I think it was just becoming you know near the end of his time because the first team wasn't doing too well and I think he said to me Mike I'm thinking about putting you in against Leeds United and I think my, my head nearly fell off you know like on the way up and maybe he put me in the car just to to explain he was thinking about I didn't play in the end but I thought to myself that would have been a debut and a half you know to play against Leeds United but the funny thing is when John Doherty came in obviously when I became a first year, first year pro and I was in the squad most of the season either on the bench or or just in the squad I actually made my debut against Tottenham away to say that I actually liked Tottenham and I grew up watching them in cup games, I, I couldn't believe it. It was like Gary, Gary Lineker and Paul Gascoigne was there. And I think I was rooming, I used to room with Phil, Philip Babb, you know, Philip Babb. Oh, yeah. And he actually dropped it. He said, oh, yeah, I think you might you might be it and end up making your debut today. So that was my only game for Bradford in the first team. Um, but I thought to myself, if I never ever play again, I can't believe I played at you know, White Hart Lane. That's, that's been amazing. And like as a debut then, like how do you cope with that as a debut? It's, I'm, I'd say I'm quite a calm person really. Um, I think I've done quite a few, I've been a few courses, I've been profiled. The, one of my things is that I think once I'm on the pitch, I seem to focus on, do you know what I'm doing? Hmm. Obviously, we'll probably talk about Old Trafford a, a bit later on, but Forget about, I tend to forget about the crowds. I'm focusing on the job that's in hand, and that's what my profile says. And I, I tend to be that way, so I'm, I'm, I'm quite calm. Obviously, before every game, I was always nervous. Hmm. I always think every player is always nervous, but once you stepped over the white line, I was fine. But it was just I probably just took it in my stride, really. I just I could probably couldn't believe when Phil Bab, well, Babs said, Oh, you I think you'd be involved tomorrow, and, and obviously. Manager must have spoke to him before, and must have mentioned it to him. And obviously, making your debuts like an unbelievable thing. But against Tottenham at White Hart Lane, Gary Lineker and Gascoigne, who was unbelievable. Mm. Uh, I think he scored in that game. I think he was just like you wouldn't see him for a lot of the game, and then he'd pick it up and go past about five players. <laughs> that's that's how he was. He'd stand at half the time. Honestly, he'd be standing in the middle of you know between the back line, and then he'd pick it up just just drift. Goals past players. It was like it was unbelievable, really. Um, but I thought I caught with it quite well, apart from Pat Van den Howe 
roughed me up a few times, you know, because I was a young lad. I remember Paul Allen just saying, listen, this is a Tottenham player saying, oh, oh just get on with your game, you'll be all right. You know, and you as a, as a young player, which I thought was quite nice, actually. Yeah, yeah. It's quite nice. You wouldn't believe in a, an opposition uh, player would be, you know, like speak to you like that way. But that's how it used to be in those days. But were there ever any other sports that you're interested in? Because you're obviously really quick. It's <laughs> funny. I, d- I did a lot. I did a lot of athletics. I loved athletics. You know, when I was um, when I was younger, I didn't play rugby. I remember my friend. I was supposed to play in the house rugby team at school, and I had a bad back because obviously I played every sport. So I was in at sports day. I, was, I think they put me in for every single event, and then I think we had there was a rugby. I, I did have a bad back, and my, one of my best mates took my place, and he broke his arm. And I looked and I thought. I don't think that's that's the sport, the sport for me. Although I'd have probably played on the wing if it, if that had been the case. But I think at the age of eleven, I was Bradford champion in Bradford championships in the sprint. I remember, I can't remember. I was talking to somebody because it's Bradford Park Avenue's um, ground in Bradford at the minute, which has got obviously a running track round it, and that's where I, at the age of eleven, I was like Bradford champion at the sprint. I entered it. I never entered it again. Just the once and. Uh, and, and that was it. But yeah, I did like athletics, did, did a lot of athletics when I was at, at school. What what could you kind of do 100 metres in then, in your, like, in your prime? When I was, I only did, well, when we at school, we had these awards and I think I got supreme, to high, that was the highest, you know, you did every event. I think when I was 12, because I never really caught myself after that. I think I, I did it in some like, just under 12 seconds, I think. Do you know, like when I was 12 years old? It's probably not as quick as other people. I know when I watched, um, it was interesting when I watched, remember we used to have the Rumble or Sprint Challenge? Mm-hmm. When I was at Scarborough, I never got entered for that. Somebody else got entered for it, which was which is weird. But the, the time that won the regional was something like 12 point something seconds. And I, was, I saw a recording of it just recently. I thought to myself, yeah. when I was 12, 13, I, I, I ran that when I was 12, 13. So God knows what time would I run it. Do you know if I'd have entered it, do you know, in the regional for the Rumble Old Sprint, Jan and so, but I don't, I, I don't know whether I, I must have been injured or something. I, I can't remember. I was never entered for it. A £10,000 prize then. Remember, the guys have to run this in full football kit and football boots on a grass track. None of your artificial surface for these boys. Bit of a ragged sort of start. Witter got away very well. So too did Chilks. Third from the right. And Bartlett's got a lot of work to do here at the moment. Big Williams in the middle, looks as though he's going to do it, and he has. John Williams of Swansea. Yes, you might well thank a superior power for that one. That was a smashing performance by big John Williams. He's had a smashing weekend. He scored for his team yesterday at Darlington, and he's collected a very cool £10,000 here. It, it kind of helps footballers, doesn't it, to have a bit of that background sometimes? Because there was a few years ago, I think, at, at Chesterfield when they brought in like a sprint trainer. Because yeah, some footballers aren't very good at running, are they? Um, no, I can't remember his name. He had the longest legs ever, so he looked like he was, you know, from athletics. But every pre, I know pre-season and uh, during the season, uh, he used to take us and do. We just used to do some running with him, and we used to do. I think I tell my lad, we used to do 800 metres running, we used to do 400 metres running, we used to do 200 metres running, we used to do 100 metres running. So I think probably John, John and Kev were probably ahead of the time, mm-hmm. really. And even like you look at resistance 
training. We used to have the old tyres, you know, a rope, you know, like strapped to you on a harness. Yeah. And uh, it was just an, an old tyre. We used to run down, you know, at Saltergate, sprint down the side on the track with this tyre on a piece of rope strapped to you, you know, like sprinting, like, and that's resistance, this resistance training. So the, the, in, a, in a sense, are quite ahead of the time. But I always say to, because obviously deal with young players that, and you look in America and you look at, especially in the women's game, that a lot of the top players, this is why the women, American women are so good, is because they play multi-sport. And I, when I was growing up, I did loads of different sports as well. I did gymnastics as well. Gymnastics, like I said, I was into, I was into everything, and it does help. And I, I know even when I was in the charge of the academy, when I used to, some of our lads used to play cricket. I used to speak to the cricket coaches, and they said you can tell those who play football as well, another sport rather than just cricket, because they move, just move a lot better. You know, because you're just playing different sports, and you get other attributes, and and it it, it does help playing another sport. Yeah, definitely. And um, and then, so after Bradford, so you were there, uh, so you ended up at Scarborough, didn't you, after? Yeah. Bradford, it was like 90, 91? Yeah, I think it was under Ray McHale. Do you remember Ray McHale? Played for Barnsley, I think. Um, I was there for two years. Um, Tommy Mooney, do you remember Tommy Mooney? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Tommy Mooney's there with, I think the average age was about 21. I think it was, at the time, it was a good move for me because it was a young side. Darren Foreman was the striker there who unfortunately I think he scored nearly about 40 goals that season and then broke his leg double fracture uh, at the last game of the season I think he I think there was a, a number of clubs that were interested in him but he was just a good young side I enjoyed the time there training um, was different I think we played trained a place called the Mount I don't know when you're driving at Scarborough if you look on the right hand side you'll see I think they used to do some kind of motorsport going up and round to the top of the Mount and then we used to jog to the, run to the beach a lot. We used to train on the beach. It was interesting. So we used to train on the beach, train on the mount, and we used to run, run there and, and run back. And I had a good time at, at Scarborough. Um, some decent players there, good young side. Um, I like Ray. Ray Ray was a, he was, I don't know whether he could take it, you know, if he told you off, because he's quite funny and jovial yeah. all the time. So when he told you off, I don't know whether you could take him seriously. Uh, at the time when, when when I was at Scarborough, but yeah, he gave me a chance, and it was just good to play with good young players and have the freedom to play really. And I think at the time before I actually played against Chesterfield, I think I put myself on transfer list because I think I think we we're about mid table, but the, the sacked Ray, which I thought we'd had some good cup runs, sat Ray, and I thought I could see this is the start of the end, you know, of the team really, and I did play for a a few games and then I think probably the last seven games of the season he put me back in and obviously I think I think I think it was near the end of the season I played against, when I played against Chesterfield but it was it's really good um long way to travel um because I was still living in Bradford yeah so you didn't you didn't go and live in live in Scarborough for a couple of years no 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 travelled every day <laughs> I think the what originally when I signed it said oh which I think every player says that you'll move up you'll move across and then you you see it's quite a as for a young lad, it's a quiet town. It's, I suppose, as a young lad, there's not much to do really. It's a lovely place to visit because uh, even when I'd, I'd left there, I still went there to visit because it's a nice seaside town. But to live there, just imagine during the season, yeah, just just for a young lad, it's there's nothing nothing going on there. So, but lovely people uh, made me feel welcome there, and I really enjoyed my time at, at, at Scarborough. And and like you mentioned, cup run. So there was a really good cup run, wasn't there, at that time? 
uh, where what was it like Bradford, Coventry, Plymouth? Yeah, yeah, it's, it's interesting because we played against Bradford and um, I got man of the match twice playing at home and I think we beat him something ridiculous like nine something on aggregate or because we just we, we hammered him really. And I think Frank Stapleton was the new manager because before when I left, uh, John Doherty had released me, you know, at, um, at Bradford and I, th- I think Frank Stapleton said, he, it's, it's about opinions, it? He, he said that he wouldn't let me go but I think when I left Bradford, I probably weren't ready. You know, I needed, I probably needed to go out somewhere else um, and, and start playing really because Bradford was like a, a championship club at, at the time when I was at Bradford, the, the equivalent uh, now. Um, but we, yeah, we had some good cup. We played Arsenal. I don't know whether it was that year, but Ian Wright and Tony Adams and foggiest day ever. And I, I remember, I don't know why I didn't start that game. Um, and then I came on to be fair, I think I had a couple of chances as well and I, I zipped a ball and I think, I remember Paul Merson tell, turning around to me and looked at me and he went, how quick are you? <laughs> it's funny, because this was playing against Dixon. I just knocked the ball past him and, and I was gone. And obviously I think I, I went through down the left and I cut it across for Tommy. I don't, I don't think he, I think he, I think he missed the target and that's when uh, Merson turned around to me and said, how quick are you? Limpar, first time ball in. And effectively. As far as Mooney, who's got Jules streaking away down the left, but he is quick. Siemens off his line and has slipped as well. It's played into the middle and booted out by Adams. Well, that was exciting because the ball was released by Mooney to Jules at the perfect time, and Jules' pace well, was astonishing. Seaman had come from his line and slipped, and when the ball was cut back, it required Adams to put it out of play. And, and your kind of position uh, on the pitch uh, in those early years, because obviously it changed, it, it, it changed a bit, didn't it? So where were you uh, at Scarborough? Were you predominantly kind of up front then? I was a wide player. I've never really been a, a striker. I can play there. I've never really been a striker. I've always called it the all inside forward, really. I was never a, a wide player that get down the line and be crossing it in all the time. I was more of a wide player that score goals. That's, you know, from a young age, early age, I scored loads of goals. I scored a, a lot of goals, uh, even at Bradford, in the youth team, in the reserves. And then obviously went out to Scarborough. I think it was in double figures both both seasons, you know, for Scarborough playing, I think on FIFA they call it RF or LF, don't they? Right forward or left forward. And that's the type of, type of player I was. Yeah, so I'd, and fortunately, because they're quite adaptable, probably when I was at Bradford, I think for a year, John Doherty maybe play, you know, on the right right wing for a year. Because obviously as a young lad, I don't realise I probably just use my left foot all the time. So I think in that way, he helped me be a better player. You know, because I could wasn't as good as somebody who normally uses the right foot, but I could use, you know, my wrong foot. Um, so I could adapt because I played on, on the right-hand side for a year. Uh, but yeah, as, as, as mainly a goal scorer and wide player, really, because I think Darren Ford, I was in double figures. Darren Foreman was like nearly 40 goals. Tommy Mooney was in like 20 goals. So as far as attacking wise, we're, it's quite a, quite a force in that division yeah. at the time. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And um, and yeah, then you mentioned game against Chesterfield. So you scored twice, I think, didn't you, in that match? I scored twice okay. and set the third one up as well. Yeah. Scored twice and set the. The third one, I think one was the first one was I think the top corner. 
against Chris Marples. I think Chris Marples was in goal at the time. And then the second one, I think it was a dribble. And I think I slotted it in and then obviously went down the line and then cut it across for, I think it was Darren Foreman uh, to tap in. And then uh, I think that was right at the end of the season. And then I had a, because I was on, actually was on the transfer list. So obviously John and, and Kev must have known. And I, I think I was living at home at the time. And my mum said, oh, you've had a few phone calls, not from Chesterfield, from other teams. And then I wasn't in. And then the time I was in, I picked the phone and Kev Randall was on, on the other side. Oh, Mark, would you come down? It's obviously Kev Randall at Chesterfield, you come down and, and have a chat. And the, the weirdest thing is, is about Chesterfield is before I played it, I didn't even know where it was. Chesterfield. It's one of those play. Even when I started playing for Chesterfield, you'd say you play for Chesterfield. A lot of people at the time, probably the cup run, probably put Chesterfield on the map. Didn't know where it was. You'd always have to say, "Oh, it's near Sheffield." Uh, back back in those days. So, um, luckily enough, I'd obviously played there a few weeks before, and I'd obviously travelled down. I had a chat with Kev Randall and and uh, John. I think Kev did a lot of the talk because he he knew Ray McHale, you see, as well, and obviously he spoke to Ray. Uh, just that, just about myself, because obviously, as you're bringing people into the club, you want to know, you know, a little bit about them and the character and everything. So I think Ray must have said, "Yeah, he's all right. He'll <laughs> be all right." And uh, I had a good chat with John and uh, Kev, and then they said, "Right, we'll speak to the chairman, and then we'll get back to you." And then end up being a, a Chesterfield player. Yeah, and it was like about forty grand, wasn't it? Something like that. Yeah, it was about forty grand. Yeah, I think, I think at the time, I think he rang me up and because obviously I was at home and he was saying that I think Chesterfield, uh, Scarborough, are wanting a considerable bit more for you than we're willing to offer. So he just kept me up up to speed because obviously it was just negotiation between Scarborough and and uh, Chesterfield, and then obviously, fortunately, it got it was all finalised and ended up signing for Chesterfield. Yeah, so your first season with Chesterfield was the 93-94 season, wasn't it? I yeah. finished about eighth that season. Um, it was an up and down season that and probably myself probably didn't adjust straight away initially. I think I scored in the first game, jilling uh, him away, um, but probably did, couldn't get to grip because Chesterfield, I don't know whether the lads would say it was a running club, we call it Chesterfield Harry, as we did run. We ran, ran, ran and ran and did more running. So um, training-wise, we ran to, we didn't, we didn't have a fixed, that's the biggest thing for me. We didn't have a fixed training venue. We're like, we, we, it's Homebrook or somewhere at Ashgate or Brimington. And a lot of time we ran there or we ran back um, all the time. So it's that was an experience. But when I look at my career, it was a good thing because, I wasn't the best long distance runner. I was a sprinter, really, but it got me as fit as I, I could ever be, to be honest. You know, like the training that we did. And obviously, we had the athletics coach come in as well. So it, I thought that put me in good stead, really. But I, I thought that first season for me, I, I don't know whether I was still adjusting. I, do, I wasn't quite, I wasn't, I was never at my best, I didn't think, because I was still probably adjusting different way. Scarborough played a different way. We're just like, we just open and probably to his detriment, really open and free flowing and just bombing forward, which obviously John was a bit more structured and Kev a bit more structured and he was trying to get used to that. And I think we really didn't fulfil his potential, especially in the first first season anyway. Yeah. Uh, when we had, I had John Duncan on and I asked him about training 
and I, I asked him if he enjoyed it and he said well I don't think the players enjoyed it, but no. I did. <laughs> I used to do fart legs. He used to love it. He used to do his fart legs in Homebrook Valley Park. And he'd be at the front. Nobody passed me. And then he'd go right to that tree, which is about 100 yards over there, and back to me. We're doing that for about half an hour, around that bench down the bottom. And he was like, just just podding. We obviously get all the team who had to get back to him. So, But like I said, I think he was ahead of his time, him and Kev, at, at, at times, you know, because look at the modern day football, you've got to be an athlete. And then I think they're athletes for all the divisions or not at the top level that are just a different level, I just think. But if you're going to play play this game, you've got to be able to run full stop. If you if you can't run, you'll you'll struggle. You'll definitely struggle. Yeah. But yeah, we that 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 first season, I think we had Laurie Laurie Madden that in that season. I don't, I can't remember his Laurie was with us. We had the longest studs ever. Um in training and games, but yeah, I think we, we, we struggled a bit, you know, just for consistency as a team and, and myself, I'd admit I struggled myself in that first season. Did you ever have appearances in the, in the gospel squad on a, on a Sunday? Oh yeah. <laughs> gospel squad used to hate it. I, I couldn't understand the gospel squad at times. I've been at previous clubs where you know, straight after the game you do, you're running. And, but if you look at, most teams now, some of them train on a Sunday anyway. You know, it's just part of the, the routine. And uh, I just think it's something, like I said, they're ahead of the time, really. Um, although we didn't like it to play, because players moan all the time. You moan about everything. And, yeah, I was in the gospel squad quite a few times, especially when you weren't, you weren't playing in the, in the first team. You'd always have to you'd always have to turn up for the gospel squad. Or if you forgot, Kevin would be ringing you up. Where are you? Oh, sorry, Kev, I forgot. Get yourself in. And it'd wait, it'd wait, it'd wait. And you just do the same thing. A few, few fast laps, few half laps, few shuttles, and that was it. And that was it. And then you was then you was home. What well, what were your first impressions with the, the kind of squad then around then in terms of settling in? I'm... Um I think I think we had some decent players. And I remember da- Daichi. I first I turned up the first day actually, Deitch, because obviously Deitch is Deitchy, isn't he? Mm-hmm. And there's a, a little, I think it was in I was in match or something. So he's put a little picture of me on the thing, thinking who we signed here, because it was a strange photograph. You know, my leg looked like it was on back to front <laughs> or glued on. He said, How the hell are you supposed to play like that? So that, that's first meeting with Deitchy, really. But I think we had a I think makings of a, a decent squad. I think as time because we weren't, like I said, that first season, we weren't consistent enough. That's when I think John and Kev said we had probably started bringing, we started filtering players and it, it started changing over, over time, really. And I can't even remember in that first season whether it was that first season, I must have, I think it was, was it Phil Carr? Is it Little Carr? It was Darren Carr, wasn't there? Was it Phil Carr? Yeah. I think all the left backs got injured. So obviously, John just put me at, at left back, so I kind of flitted from left back to playing left side of left side of midfield. Uh, that's that season, but the, we just seemed consistent. That that was the only thing with the with the squad, and that's when I think Jamie might have because he didn't when I first started. Jamie Hewitt wasn't there. He started. He came in. And it's, I just I just remember players, you know, started to, to come into the squad. I think I don't know when Nicky Law came in that season as well. I know I don't know if it was that season or the season after. I just remember players gradually that whoever's in the original, because Paul McGugan used to travel in. Do you remember Paul McGugan? 
Um, used to travel in, I used to travel in with him and Andy Morris because I came from Bradford, met up with um, Paul and Andy at Andy's place. Uh, and we used to travel in. So I remember Paul McGugan, but he hardly played Paul. Uh, played a, a few games in that first season. Um, but that's how I got, obviously got to get, be a good friend with Andy Morris, you know, travelling in with him every day initially uh, when, I, when I first came in. And then I think Kev was on the cusps of coming in around, around that squad as well. And then obviously it went into quite exciting times season after. Mm-hmm. So like 94-95, it's playoff season. Um, yeah. It, it, I think we had a, we had a strong side. I think it was, Carlisle was always the rivals within 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 that league. And I could, John doesn't even remember. And it, when I, I think when I spoke to him last, he he thought I'd played most of that scene. I went, well, I didn't play for about the last 10 games of the season because obviously I had this role as a man marker at times. You know, if they had a decent player, John had just had me marker. It's Rod Thomas, played them away at their place. And I think within the first five minutes, I went over on my ankle, uh, coming at half time, and basically my ankle was like a balloon. And uh, Kev said, just stra- strap it up. So I strapped it up. I must have played, I think I played for about 80 minutes, you know, to try to chase Rob Thomas around the pitch. And um, obviously that was basically the end of my season, you know, after that game. Although I did manage to get back just before we got to, you know, the, you know, the playoff final. And uh, I was in the squad, but I've sat on the bench, but I wasn't one of the subs, but I came back through a bit too late. But I think I think we had, obviously, Phil Robinson. We had a really good side. We had a really good side. Obviously, Nicky, the captain. Um, very, very, very strong side. I was just, I was happy for the team, but, you know, you got it for yourself. I remember sat in the stand, we obviously injured, sat in the stand when we played Mansfield, you know, in the away. And I think Rob Ols broke out and scored. And obviously... It's like a cauldron at home as well, wasn't it? When we played them mm. at, at Saltergate, and it's you, you obviously sat there, you feel the atmosphere, but you, you think to yourself, it'd have been nice to, you know, playing playing the, that the semi playoff like semi final, yeah, to get, to get into the final because even though we won the the final, I think the, the semi final because obviously local rivals was in my in my head that's what I remember most. You know about the that that season is this semi-final against Mans it's Mansfield. I've um, heard a few players say that that after, it was like the day after the Mansfield semi that they were like, oh, actually we've got to play a final next. Yeah, yeah, it feel yeah. like a final. But I suppose yeah, because I was going to ask you that whether it was a bit disappointing, kind of not being involved in those games. Because obviously you're a, you're a team player and yeah, you're happy for the squad. But on a personal level, it must be a bit. Yeah, it's, it's always disappointing, especially. Especially, you play your local rivals as well, aren't you? Uh, in the semi-finals, and then you obviously the finals at Wembley. You know, to miss out playing at Wembley. And I think even Kev. So I with Kev. Kev was Kev didn't play. He, he came on, didn't he? You see, he didn't even start because that's how John was. Even though, even though you you might play well the week before, or you've been playing well for the last, you could be at man of match for three games on the trot. But then he'd be looking at the opposition and thinking, actually. I need to tweak it this way or tweak it that way. Or if I was playing at fullback, if there's somebody six foot odd, he's not going to play me at fullback because if they'll be launching balls to them, or if they had a if if they had a quick uh, left winger, I'd be playing on you know the right back, not left back. So he kind of adapted and changed because that's how John was. So you knew if even if you were playing well, I remember one time. I think it's um, pre-season. I remember one time 
he had a team, do you know, like we did a practice match on the Friday. Mm-hmm. This was a team. And literally on the Saturday you got there, the whole team had changed. You just, everyone's like, like looking at each other. But then you think, like, if you're not in team, you're disappointed. But he all seemed to get it right. That's the thing. Yeah. You all seem to get it right. You think to yourself, what is he doing here? And then the, the team would go out and win. I suppose well, proof, proof's in the pudding, isn't it? <laughs> and if yeah. it gets exactly. it right. Did exactly. you enjoy having that role as kind of the the man marker? It's I don't know how to enjoy because you do a lot of you do a, an awful you do an awful lot of, of running, but I, I didn't mind it. I didn't mind it. Um did prefer playing in my normal role, but because it's just an unpredictable role, you know, because you could do more running, I could pick the ball up dribble off somewhere else and then whoever your markings on the far side because you, you end up doing a lot more running there than the actual person that you're marking because they never track you because those are the type of players when you're doing a man marking those are the type of players that don't really track back yeah got have free roles you tend to do more running than them because obviously when you win it you've still got to be involved in joining with play but then next minute you'd have Deitch or Willow saying Jules is over here you know <laughs> it's far side so you'll be running from one side to the other you still try to get catch your breath and then you pick the ball up and you, then you're off and running again. So I wouldn't say I, didn't, I enjoyed it. I wasn't bad at it. Maybe that's obviously that's why uh, John put me on there. And I wasn't even a particular, I wasn't a tackler either. I think John always trusted me, even when I played left back. It was interesting that when we did any shape or anything, he, he would, I would never have any cover because he always kind of trust. Obviously, you get beat the odd time or whatever, but he always trusted me to, you know, to do a job. And I wasn't a tackler, I'd just wait. I just run with you, run with you. I'd either intercept, nick it off you, because I was net. I don't think I've got a tackle in me to be honest. So I just uh, just nick it off you and take it from there. Which is the best way to defend, isn't it? A lot. Well, yeah, time. yeah, yeah. He's patient, and he knew that I wouldn't dive in. I wouldn't dive in. I'd always stay up, and the fact they always find it. Even even now, when you speak to players who used to play against our team, do you know. From the opposition, they used to, always used to say, we used to hate playing against you. Used to hate, this is majority, if you speak to a lot of play, ex-players who played against Chesterfield, we hate playing against Chesterfield. And even when I used to play, I was marking somebody in my normal position, I'm they'd be going, come on, Mark, leave us alone. You know, did, <laughs> can't you get yourself on the other side? They, they hated playing against, because even though they knew I wasn't a tackler, they knew I'd just, I'd stick with them. Darren Curry, Darren Curry, I had some tricky wingers, Darren Curry, he hated, I know he hated playing against me. You know, they all used to talk to me. So get yourself on the other side or get away from me, Mark. I remember, uh, is it is it Bol- Bolton player? He played at Wigan at time, Lee, um, quite quick. I remember one time, it's farcical, I, th- I think, at one time, because he was playing against, I think he was going to play against Jamie. So he got me and Jamie to switch. So I was marking him. And obviously the suss out, so he switched to the other side. I switched must all the game. I must have been going from one fullback position to the other. It's it's crazy. It was crazy, really. But that's what John 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 wanted. So if, if he shifted, I had to shift to the other side. Yeah, and, and it's interesting because, like, especially I was going to ask us uh, like the wing back role uh, and, and different roles around the pitch have all kind of changed, haven't they? And and you yeah. have to be really, like you mentioned earlier, you have to be really, really fit now, don't you, to get yeah. up and down and yeah, back and I, forth and stuff like that. It's, it's I, I was going to say it's probably changed a lot, but I suppose for you, you were doing that back then anyway, weren't you? I was doing that back then, but the wing back role, I'll be honest, I used to hate. I, I used to hate, and it, it and I used to hate because it depends who you're playing for. Because we were 
a team that were, weren't a team that really played football. We would get, I suppose, a bit like Dyche's team, would get up there to the forwards and play off there and play up as quick as you can. And I always think, I always used to call it the biggest bleep, te- bleep test ever, you know, for 90 minutes. You'd be up and down, up and down. So when I've, as a coach, ever played, if I have the players play, ever played, you know, like a 3-5-2, I always play football if I've got the players. Because I, I just remember, from, you know, from my experience as a player, mm. it's, you do your job, but you, you go up and down a lot of the time without even touching it. And if, if you look at the best teams, when it's Chelsea, their fullbacks are on, or he's a Liverpool, their, their fullbacks are on the ball all the time, aren't they? Yeah. And that's how I, in my head, how, how I'd play it if I had the players. But it's back in the day, I think, like I said, John, he, play, he played a 3 5 2. He played all different formations, didn't he? Um, but I, did, I didn't particularly like playing wing back, although I could do my job. But you just up and down, up and down, uh, which the modern fullback does. But you, you, you're depending on who you're playing, you quite you can be quite isolated. Um, yeah, but it was tough. It was it's a tough position. It's one of the toughest positions that wing back position, definitely. Even as a supporter, like it's noticeable now how much running those wing wing backs do. Because like you say, they are going up, but then someone loses the ball yeah. then they've got to be all the way back again and then you yeah. break and you've got to be all the way up again and you just think yeah right. yeah it's it, it it's tough it's it's not it's not easy at all and I was on because obviously I do the uh, A licence with the FA as well and probably not name dropping I was on last night with a few players and we'll talk about the fullback role and I had Leighton Leighton Baines on the call and he was talking about he said he was happy, you know, going there. But then it's he said you spend seventy percent of your time running that way, you know, without the ball. That's what he didn't like about it. Do you know what I mean? And it depends who you're playing for. So you're happy going forward, and you might be getting it thirty percent. But he said seventy percent of the time you're sprinting back that way, which is and all that time you're looking at the central midfielder who's just yeah. kind of stood there. Your anchor man in midfield's just kind of yeah, stood there. Yeah. But it depends <laughs> who you who you play for. I know that. Some some centre backs like like you sprinting back and covering, but then some are happy if you go there because what you're holding midfield players for there they they're like your false fullbacks, as we as we say. So when you when you bomb on, they should be like I think it's like Henderson or Liverpool. You know their their fullbacks bomb on. They kind of cover in that position. So when it is lost, you dip it. You, they drop in, and it's like I think watching Chelsea the other day, you saw Reese James and. Uh, on the right hand side, he you looked when the ball was on the left hand side, he was so wide and high on the opposition side, but he has that cover because that's the, the role of your holding midfield player to play that false fullback. Where if it does break down, they're dropping for you. Mm. But yeah. times have changed. Chesterfield leapfrogged above Notts to fourth with a 1 0 win at Rotherham and scored one of the best goals of the day, beautifully struck by Mark Jules, the crown jewels. Chesterfield. So we go to like 95, 96 season and like the second half of that season, it seemed like you really got the place in the team every week and it seemed like um, you just became a regular at that point um, onwards then going into seasons after. So I wondered what kind of happened or did anything happen or it's just a I don't know, really. I think um, I think it was interesting that season. I'm sure because I'd not signed a contract. You know, the start of the season is weird. 
you say second half, but I was I got injured. I started off, I think I played actually in my normal position against Burnley. I think Burnley was one of the first games. And I, was, I, I felt really fit. I was flying. I felt really strong. And I'm not, I'm not actually signed a contract. And then I think we played Brentford away, which actually Paul Davis, who used to be one of our colleagues who played for Arsenal, played for. I keep saying, no, do you remember that game? He doesn't he don't really remember. But played Brentford away and the ball, I don't know, somebody smashed the ball about a million miles up in the air. So I've run to sprint, you know, to jump and head it. The opposition fullbacks just come in and smash me, you know, from the side. I, can't, I think I flipped over, I was mid-air, flipped over, landed on my side and... I think I'd come off for a few for a few minutes, and I thought I was just, you know badly wind you know badly winded, and uh, looking to go on a visit. I think Rush physio looked at me and said, "No, you, you don't look right to go on." So obviously going home, I end up going to hospital with internal bleeding. You know, I crushed me kidney scarred. I think it's my right hand side kidney that's scarred now. But I was in hospital for ten days. Um, uh, with internal bleeding, I think I lost the stone, couldn't shift, couldn't move. Um, John kept ringing me up. I bet you wish you signed that contract, <laughs> you know, because <laughs> obviously the, there's a contract on the table. I wish you this. I even had a few weird. I even had a few phone calls from a because obviously I'd not signed a contract. People must have heard that, and a few from a few directors from other clubs. Oh, Mark, we were interested. I said actually, actually, I'm actually in hospital. Internal, internal bleeding anyway obviously eventually I came out of hospital I think probably about a month and a half later obviously at home doing stuff and whatever and that's probably when you when I probably came back that's probably when I cemented me and then I, I did sign a new contract then when I started cementing my place in the team so I was probably not there the first part because I was in hospital in hospital <laughs> yeah. uh, internal internal bleeding but I ended up signing a contract at the end and obviously I did. I felt strong. That's the thing. It's one of those I felt strong, and then I got that quite serious injury, and then come back, and I was probably still in a good, you know, come back fit, and I was probably still in a good place, you know, like fitness wise and everything, and probably it probably stemmed from there. So that that season, unfortunately, I wish I'd have not had the injury because I'd, I'd have probably been flying even more that season because I felt good and in the place. But I'd, actually, weird, I started off on the left. That's the, that's the thing. And then when I come back, I went to left back, which, which is weird. But that was John. That, that that's how that's how John was. Yeah, and and a game seventh, I think that season. So it was a uh, pretty good season as well. Yeah, yeah, we had a we had a decent season. We strong side again. Uh, but that was John. He was. I think I was talking to somebody the other day that he's one of those that we. I think we we did have our. Playing style, how we play because we, we predominantly played down the right. Because you know, we had Kev there mm. and everything was geared down that side. And he, he did that because he wanted to play predictable. You know, so if we did lose it, we were all in kind of uh, specific positions, you know, when, when we'd lost it. But I suppose that was John again in his tactics. And he was, was I always remember he used to sit in the stand first because the way we used to play was to counteract whoever we we're playing. So he all knew, he all, and he's probably John was a, and Kev were probably the first coaches that really looked at things, you know, tactically and the stra- strategy of the games. Because some managers you play, it's just five aside, 11 asides. This is this formation you get out and play. But John really and Kev really thought about, you know, the opposition and how they play. And sometimes maybe the opposition knew that and you 
you see John first five minutes in the standing to be coming down. They're not playing the formation that they should be playing, Kev. So you could see him screaming on, you know, like it's like sh- shuffling us around and whatever. But but that's how that's how John was and Kev. And and then we go. So then we go to 96, 97. A lot of games that season. Yeah, <laughs> an awful lot of games. There's a cup run happening in there, but then there was yeah, it's a a cramped and crowded season with a lot of games, wasn't it? But ultimately, yeah. it was uh, good fun. I'm guessing yeah. it was. I think I think because of so many games, I think you give the option as well. Because <laughs> I don't I don't think I played all the games because there's certain he'd, he'd ask you um, which games you want to play in because the cup run was there. I, th- I think if we didn't have the cup run, I think we'd have challenged to go up that season because obviously we're a good side. I think we're in a good place, but there's just too many, too many games in the end. It was a great set of guys as well within the change room. I think that was like a, a, a big thing, you know, the the cohesion within the team and we're all friends. Mm. Um, I think we had a bit of a click. Well, the call us the click. There was me, Kev Davis, Chris Perkins, Jonathan Howard and Tom Curtis, because we seem to hang around together all the time. So the call us the click in the changing room. Um but yeah, we just just too many games in the end. As far as promote, we just dis- disappointed as far as the league was concerned because that that was always going to peter out, you know, because there's just too many games. And John had to keep chopping and changing. Right, you're going to play in that game. It's, it's interesting after the we played. I think the, the semi final we played Watford away. I played in that game, and it's if. Do you know when you're playing in the when we played against Middlesbrough, you probably don't realise you're playing at a certain tempo. And we played against Watford. I thought like it was like Watford were playing in slow motion. You know, I thought we were that good. I think we beat them, was it one or two, one or two nil at the time. And it's obviously you raise your level. It's I suppose it's the if we'd have gone up, it's the type of level that we could have played at. Do you know when we played against Watford? Because we I just thought we was just on the day after the uh, first semi-final, we're just so far superior to to Watford, who, who were a decent side at the time. And I just thought we were just far too strong for them. And going to that, uh, the cup run then, you played in every every game, didn't you? So, Yeah, which you didn't realise until until the end of the season or after. Um, yeah, I was just trying, just thinking the other day, Bury, because uh, I thought to myself, I'm sure we played Scarborough. We did play, we did play Scarborough. I think it's Bristol, obviously Forest, Bolton. Which shocking pitch, probably. <laughs> to be fair, obviously they were flying at the time. Uh, when we played them, I just remember how bad the pitch was, uh, and obviously Rex Forest and Wrexham out of all the teams, everybody's thinking, yeah, Wrexham, but they were always a tough opponent. Wrexham uh, always a tough, tough team. Also, I also thought had decent wide players as well when he played against Wrexham. So even though people were happy for us to play Wrexham, in our minds, in my mind, I'm thinking this is. Probably one of going to be out of even though we played Bolton and Forest, this is probably one of the toughest games we'll play because you, you know each other and you know how tough it was always against you know when you played Wrexham. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's I think most of the games are at home as well, apart from the Bolton. Well, I was going to say game. because a few players I've spoken to have said if we'd have been drawn away at Wrexham, I think we'd have lost. Yeah, because Wrexham's Wrexham's always tough, even like home or away, always a tough, tough game against Wrexham and. Um, like I said, on the other hand, Wrexham had looked at us, as I said to you before, nobody ever liked playing against us. Nobody ever liked playing. So they'd have looked at it and gone, oh, no. As, you know, 
as well. So, uh, but I suppose we're fortunate to be at home for apart from the Bolton game, we're we're at home for majority of games, and we're always tough, yeah. tough team to be at home. So, really, I suppose the I suppose you say the gods were with us, really, when you when you look at it in that sense. But we're we're always a tough team to beat, and I think that season we're we're a good side, very strong. So I think home or away, as we showed against Bolton, the way I think we'd have we'd have been a tough opponent anyway. At what point did it kind of feel like you were going on a really good, exciting cup run, like <laughs> after the first round, <laughs> when you had all this media attention? Because obviously I've, I've never into the media. Te- you know, like I've, I know everybody wanted to do interviews. I just go around through the back door and go home and and believe it or not, you know when you know when they brought the cup and everything. I'm very because I grew up on the FA Cup and I, I was trying to think. I'm not superstitious. I'd never like be one of these have the same tie ups or wear the same whatever for whatever games. But the only thing I, I was is the not touching it. I, I always thought to myself, if you're not wanting. You shouldn't touch it, and I, I've, I probably, I was probably one of the only players that never picked that FA Cup up because, obviously, the FA Cup was a massive thing. I know it's a massive thing for every young player, but I, I always believed in my head. You only touch that cup if if you win it. So, so you, all the photographs you'll ever see, if any dugout, you'll never see me with the cup. Other players will have the cup in them, but I never, I never touched the cup at all. You're there in the stand, shaking your head, going, "Don't do it." No, I know, I know, I know. But it's—I also think I'm not superstitious. But in that in that sense, I always just thought to myself that it's for for me. It's for only those that have won it, you know, to pick the, that cup up. Because obviously, you grew up on the FA Cup. I suppose a lot of people now as well won't realise how, uh, because obviously they kind of chose the cup over the league in in some ways, and and nowadays it would probably be completely the opposite. Yeah, uh, but but then it was kind of the thing that came on at nine o'clock in the morning, and you watched the you teams all day. on the TV set off and everything. It was massive, wasn't it? It, it was an it was an all day thing, and, and obviously I grew up on that. You know, watching the FA Cup, you'd get you your stomach could be churning. You know, I'd be sat there watching it, the build up, and then even even if obviously I, I spoke Tottenham growing up, but even if Tottenham were playing, I'd, you know, your stomach would be churning. You know, like before the game would start. That's how excited you know I was. You know, growing up as a young kid uh, watching watching the FA Cup. And obviously, it's a massive thing for the town as well, isn't it? And you're not surprised. that, And obviously, gen- the money that's generated for the club as well. So, you, you, being a lower division club, so you, you, you can't go away from that. But um, it was just, it just, I just thought it was just bedlam just around the, you know, I, I remember, I think for the semi-final, I think driving, I think I was driving home and I just... I saw it again. The queue was ridiculous. You know, people queuing up for for tickets. I think. I think. Obviously, I think they opened up that night. I think they opened up that night, didn't they? And they all got sold out or whatever. But the queue for tickets, and I, and I couldn't even remember where I got tickets for. I remember I went and played in a charity match because I still keep in contact with. You know, we've got a WhatsApp group. You know, for the Bradford guys who were apprentices and and pros, we still have like little reunions. And one of the lads, oh. I remember obviously when I went to the semi-final FA Cup and I said, did I get your ticket? He went, yeah, I can't even remember. I must have got that many different people. T- I couldn't even remember that I got him, got him some tickets. So it's like, uh, that's how, that's how, that's how, and I even got my old school teachers ticket, you know, because obviously they helped me, you know, growing up. Yeah. So I come from a single parent uh, family and they, after school, they'd 
dropped me off at the training because my mum was working and my mum picked me up afterwards. So I never forgot them. And they they came to both semi-finals, you know, some of my old school teachers. So, and it's, for me, it's still a big thing, the, the FA Cup. I, I, I love the FA Cup. I know what you say that in this day and age, that especially maybe in the championship, in the premiership, that obviously the league might take over because it's, it's, it's a big thing, isn't it? Yeah, it's you know, so much money, isn't it? Yeah, there's so much money in, involved. But for me, the FA Cup is one of the biggest, biggest things for a player, especially growing up. And I think you speak, speak to, you probably even speak to some professionals now, they'll still say the same thing. Obviously, the clubs see it in a different way. Managers have got to, it's difficult because managers got to manage games, haven't they? Mm. And whatever. So it's it's not easy, but it's for me, it's still massive, the FA Cup. So on to, obviously, your, your, when I spoke to John Duncan, he said, for the Middlesbrough match, we had a plan without you, Mark Ingenino, and a plan with you, Mark Ingenino. Yeah. And this we started with the plan without you, Mark and him, and then very quickly <laughs> changed. Yeah, yeah, changed. Um, I keep saying, obviously, we had, uh, we had Ian Dunn in training. You know, like, I had to do a... We practiced whether you need to practice or not because I've done it. I've done it quite a few times before. But I had Ian done in, in training and obviously I'd leading up to the game because, like I said, he was very. He'd look at every nook and cranny. Did was John. He's he's like really good in that way tactically and obviously he'd have me Ian done, uh, running around with the ball. I'd be chasing him in training, but obviously it's not the same thing, is it? Janino, Ian done, even though I, I like Dunny, but not not the same name, same thing and. I think probably because he was just getting on the ball. And I think what John had seen as well, I think if I remember that season, to a couple of teams that nullified Janino, do you know, because they had man markers in him that season. I actually remember that, I can't remember uh, which teams they were, but I, I do know they had some man markers in, in that season and they'd done quite a decent job against him. So I think within the, I think the biggest thing what people don't realise, I was booked within the first five minutes, you know, so I was running around for because I didn't mark him in the I didn't mark him in the um, extra time, which is over the ninety minutes because I think Perks had got cramp, and I don't know why Darren Carr ended up marking him. You know, in in the extra time, I don't know why he did that. I just I just might be because he just wanted the shape. You know, dropped me in at left back, and um, but yeah, I, I had to chase him around for ninety minutes. And I was on a yellow card, and obviously that penalty uh, that wasn't a penalty. You know, we died to you. I've had, if you look at me, I've, I've had to go like that because I know if I'd have brought him down just outside, I'd have had, I'd have been, I'd have been off. So I'm probably thinking to my head, what would have been different, you know, if I'd not received that yellow card? But I think don't think John remembered. I don't yeah. think even John remembered I had a yellow card within the first five minutes. I think it was against Hignett. Uh, I got, which I'd only had two yellow cards in my whole, whole career, I think, as well. So, yeah, but so after that, I think it was it must have been after the first 10 minutes, it changed and I was marking Janini. I just I just think it's just having a presence around him because he's still he's still chasing shadows at times with him. But I just think it's you know having somebody next to him and not him because obviously he's dangerous. You give him loads of space, he just kill you with his run. So it's just having somebody there, even if he's running with it or you're on his shoulder, he's, he's gonna have to pop it off. Uh and Fortunate enough, I think after at the end, I think John, to be fair, he came up to me and thought, yeah, he praised me. Thought he said, well, he said to me, well, 
not saying there weren't other man of the match, but he, he thought I was his man of the match uh, for that game, which was nice of him to say. Did, did you say anything to Janino, like, during the match? Did, were you having, like, a word in his ear or trying to put him off? I couldn't even breathe. <laughs> Chasing. <laughs> I couldn't catch my breath. But it's one of those games, again, where Willow and uh, and Daichi, like, again, he wouldn't... If I got it, I remember a few times I got it and then dribbled with it and then passed it on, and I turned around and they're both, again, shouting, Jules is over here. So I'd be looking to be far side of the pitch. So I'd, I've had... I just popped it off and I've had... To, Chase across next minute to get it. Didn't you? Did I'll be honest? I didn't have time to think. You know, playing against him because he was always. You had to be alert with him. If he switched, if he switched off, you know what type of player was he was gone. So, if, apart from that, I was still trying to get my oxygen levels back up and and, and back in. I never never even said we never spoke a word. And, and I was always like that when I was playing anyway. Uh, more or less, even when players were saying, "Mark, get over the other side." I, I just get on with it. And a lot of times they said, oh, who, who were the best players you played against? And I think half the time I didn't know because I'd just, I'd mark him, do my job, and then that's gone. Probably if I look at the team sheets now, yeah, yeah, I remember him. He wasn't bad, whatever, but and he's quite difficult to play against. But I kind of just, any time I played, I had a role to do, concentrated on that. Never, because even when I played on the left wing, I used to get smashed or left, right and centre. I get up, get on with it, and never say anything. And I think players used to hate that. So I think silence is is good in a way. Yeah, yeah, definitely. What was it? And and obviously the equaliser to make it three three. Like as as supporters, obviously you you mm-hmm. go crazy when something like that happens. What's it like as a player when something like that happens? It's just I think I think I think I was just stood at the back and I was just. Big relief. I didn't run. Obviously, I was too far back. I didn't. I didn't run it. I think it's just like a a massive relief, really, because um, we've done so well, you know, throughout throughout the game. And and even when I look back, I've never said this to John. I've said it to other 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 players. It's that I don't know whether we got carried away with the you know the occasion because. It's, you know as well as I know, if we were 1-0, 2-0 up against any team in the league, that was it. Mm-hmm. But if you watch that game, we were still going forward. We were still playing and going forward. Actually, if that had been a league game against Middlesbrough, it had stayed at 2-0. And I just don't, when I think back at it, and I don't, obviously Kevin, John, well, John probably, obviously Kev obviously passed away now, but John might be able to tell you what was going through your, through your head. I always think back that, that, I don't know whether the occasion got to not just us on the pitch, but to John and Kev on, on the side as well. Because like I said, in a, in a league game, that would have been it. It'd have been a close shot where they just sat behind, come on, we'll just break on you. And that would have been it. But maybe the occasion got to everybody and they ended up coming back into it. But I, I always think that in my head. I, I know we're all thinking what could have been, but we were, we were never like that normally. We just don't, you know yourself. That's it. The game's finished now. We won up two nil up. Um, so, but is what it was. Obviously, Russia didn't have the Russian linesman, did we? Uh, at the time, which is which have been an interesting final. I wonder who had been man marking for that game. If I'd have got to the, uh, the, the, there'd have been quite a few. Uh, Zola, I don't know whether Pinek. That'd have been an interesting one. But um, it, it is what it is, isn't it? Really. 
The shit it couldn't happen twice, it has done. It's Chesterfield voices you're around, hearing Martin. now. Sorry, Martin, I looked around when the goal went in. Ravinelli was flat on his back. Janino and Emerson flat on their back. Absolutely destroyed. Nil-nil at half-time. 2-2 two -two at regulation time. 3-2 halfway through extra time. And in the nick of time, Jamie Hewitt keeps Chesterfield in the FA Cup. Ha, 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 ha. Ah, dear, dear. Why do we love this game so? That's why. I want to talk to you a little bit about just coaching. Because yeah. you you kind of um eventually you you left Chestfield and had a little spell at Halifax um and, and played quite a few games for them. Mm -hmm. And then you ended up back at Chesterfield until I think it was like was it like 2013 or something? Yeah, yeah, about 2013. Um, yeah. A long time, and you were um and you were kind of developing a lot of young players then, weren't yeah. you? So and that's obviously what you're what you're doing now. So yeah, I think it stems from do you know like when I was well growing up anyway. Um, I love different sport, and when I was at Bradford, I used to go back in the off season, you know, to back to my old school and do the piece. I was always interested in you know development of young players, young people anyway. And obviously, my time as a youth team player under uh, Arthur Graham uh, at Bradford was the best time, one of the best times ever. Do you know like just training, how we enjoyed it. And that's always got me interest, interested, you know, in the coaching side. Yeah. And obviously, while I was at Halifax, I was doing my UEFA B you know, qualifications. And then it was just weird that I think I went to watch, um, well, Kev Davis, you know, Jake, Jamie, his brother was playing in the academy and just, just walked up. And I think Jonathan Pepper and, and Dave Bentley were there, and I was there with Kevin. He says, oh, do you fancy doing a bit of coaching, Mark? I said, ironically, I'm going through my you know, coaching qualifications. So that's how it all kind of started. So that's how I, I kind of got in, involved with uh, Chesterfield. But and that, my big thing is the development of young players. Uh, and even, I know even my lad said, have you never thought about first team, uh, Dad? And I said, well, you look, I've come seen that many managers, and you don't last long. There's a bit of luck, but you don't last long. But I've always like young players developing and try and get them in the first team or develop them to be better players. Because I've played with Jeff Horsfield and Grant Holt and I've seen how, because they got released as young players, had to drop and come back. Because even when I speak to young players now, I always say to them, it's never never the end. It depends on, on yourselves because you've all got, you, you're all athletes. You've all got the ability, much ability as you see out there, but it's not the, you know, the psychological side and how you're driven. And obviously you look at Grant Holt, uh, Jeff Horsfield, they were driven, I know they dropped, dropped down, but they were driven to, you know, to come back and obviously development as well. They do two skinny rakes anyway, do you know, do you know, as young players. So you can imagine, and you look to them when they were playing in, in the prime where they were obviously built into the, they filled out into the bodies and become men, didn't they? And some are not quite ready at the time. And it's trying to get some players and coaches actually, because I'm a coach developer to understand that, that, at this moment in time, that player might not be ready psychologically, physically. Um, and and it's get clubs to realise that as well. Some clubs are not prepared to wait. I know some clubs have got loads of money, do you know, at the top end cat cat one, so they they can they can wait, but at the lower end like Chesterfield and other teams, I suppose you've got to be ready, haven't you? You know, like the likes of Kev Davis, 
the Kev Davis will, will always get on this world at the lower end because, you know, physically, physically they're there. But yeah, yeah. Chesterfield, 12 years, um, working with Dave Bentley. I in, enjoyed it immensely. Um, love working with the players. I'm probably at the fittest then as well, even though I'm playing. I, I'm playing a charity match now, I can't walk for two or three weeks, but I used to join... <laughs> I used to join in all the time uh, when I was when, when me and Dave were taking training. We always made sure there was one man down in one side so I could join in really. But now, just just watching the development of these players and become men, I sp- still see a lot of them now. Speak to them, you know, the players that I've come through. Weirdly enough, when I was watching in my life at Staveley, used to watch a lot of the games and used to get players going, "All right, Marcus, flipping." I must have released that many players in Chesterfield. It's unreal. My son keeps looking at me. He says, is that another lad that you released, Dad? It's just, but obviously I had a good relationship with them. So it wasn't a, a thing where they're kind of resentful or, or anything. Because I always made sure I had a good relationship, you know, with all the players. Because that's how it was when I was a, you know, young, a, a, a young player. And I think that's how it should be. And that's how you, you kind of develop them and develop them as people, really. Um but yeah, the really good times. Like I think all in all, it's about is it 17, 17, 18 years or something as a coach and a player at Chesterfield. So and I haven't been this season, but I try to get to at least a couple of games every season just to see. And obviously I'm always looking at the results as well, aren't I? So so I'm always trying to get to Chesterfield games just to just to see how they see how they're doing as well. But yeah, um coach developer now, which I probably always was always going to end up being. Mm-hmm. Um, which I developed. I've got scholars. I've got six clubs I look after: Accrington, Burnley, Bradford, Sheffield United, Salford, Fleetwood. Where I do the level two, you know, with the scholars. But obviously, I do UEFA B with current pros and ex pros, and I deliver on the A license as well. So that's why, obviously, I said Leighton Baines earlier, name dropping. But obviously, he's on a senior pros course, and it's good to see them developing go the pathway. And I'm just trying to encourage them. Because I did a degree while I was still playing as well, you know. Because football's a short life for me. I don't care what level, you know, how much you get in. You got to think about what you're going to do afterwards. For me, and I'm just trying to, obviously, with the scholars and the pros, just trying to get them. If they think about coaching anyway, just get them to think about, you know, a path, a pathway into that before you actually. Because sort of back in the day, a lot used to finish and then think, what am I going to do now? Right, I'm doing the coaching, but it takes a takes time. Why not do it while you're still? still in the club and I do it with under 23 players as well. So the clubs are starting to like, think, right, 20, under 23s now, because they're not in education as, anymore. Can we get them on the coaching pathway? So like Sheffield United, I've done it. I'm starting one at Fleetwood, I've done it at Burnley with under 23 players, uh, which is good. So things that clubs are starting to think, not just about the playing, but after for, for players as well. Well, then, yeah, if the average career, playing career is what, did they say it's like four years or something, then yeah. it kind of comes in handy, doesn't it, to be prepared? Yeah, it's, it's, so, it's so short and you've got to be forward thinking. That's why when I'm talking to pros pros or scholars, I try to get them to think about the future. I say, I know you, your only thought really is playing football, but you've got to think about, because unfortunately you could get injured, serious injury. You, you might fall out with the game. You need something else to a little bit of a backup anyway because many strings to your bows I always, I always say who who was the most talented like Chesterfield youngster that you kind of uh, um, was, was there anyone that really stood out well I always thought um, for me Craig Clay but didn't quite 
get enough game time. I know Tendai when he, Tendai when he, when we had him, he was he played played a diamond. He played top of the diamond Tendai, and it's, I think he's got about seventeen goals that season. I used to say to him, if you could hit if you could hit the target Tendai, you'd be playing in the Premier League. I used to I used to say to him, but Tendai was really you know like attitude, committed attitude. He could run all day. Always had a chance. Clay, I thought was a for me was a a talented player, probably, I suppose about opportunities, isn't it? And right manager, right place. I know I think he's at Leighton Orient, isn't he? And yeah. then he's had to drop down and and come through. Um, just trying to think who else. Bowery, I still speak to his on a UEFA B. Hit and miss. He, he'll, he'll say it himself, we used to give him some, he used to get some bollock in Bowery because he was up and down because some days, for somebody of his size and pace, some days he wouldn't turn up, and then other days he just destroyed. You know, a back line. I think there was. I think one year playing against Scunthorpe in the youth, their centre back had been playing in the first team, and Barry just destroyed him. You know, on his day he could do, yeah. he could do anything, but it's just about being being consistent, really. Um, I think quite. I think just before I left, we had like young loss. Maguire, who's on the ball, is a very good talented player on the ball. Obviously, not watching as much uh, recently, but I'm just trying to think of who it's else. Kind of, yeah, it's interesting with Los Maguire because that's kind of his role now. Left yeah. side of the three centre backs, he will go yeah. 80 yards up the pitch, yeah, because the ball and be crossing it in or be on the end of something. He's got the talent to do that because he's good. He's good on. He's good on the ball, and and it's up to managers to recognise that. I know when I played. Because we've played the difference. I've played obviously with Tendang, the Craig Clay, that we had, we had four four two diamond because we you know we had the players to do that. I've played the three five two. And I know in, I've played a left side midfield player, left centre half. You know because the the good on the ball, or I've played a centre midfield player as wing back. You know because they were the right attributes. It's up to you to recognise you know the attributes that your players got. Sometimes they don't like it because they're thinking, why are you shoving me out? In those places, but I've been moved. It, but, but it's the manager recognizing that actually you've got the right attributes to, you know, to play in that position. Yeah. But it's probably quite good for Los. It, it probably make a, a good, you know, cent, you know, in the centre of the three as well, Los, because he's, he's pretty decent on the ball, isn't he? Uh, yeah. But I think over time. But but this is what I, I say to scholars. I think we've had some talented players over the time, but then it comes down to that. Yeah. Whether you whether you go further or you stay in the game, unfortunately for some players, and I, I think when I, I say this all the time to young players, and they look at me and they think, yeah, yeah, and I think I think it just drifts away because I've been there, I've seen it, well, many years of working with youth team players, and I'll say it year in year out, talented, you can run, but if you haven't got the right, right mental attitude, because I'll say to the scholars, you know, when you're watching your first team, how many, how many players that you look see out there, and you think actually they're Average, no disrespect, but they're average. I think the difference is, is that mm. like they believe in what the talent, they'll run, they'll do the right things and they'll forge a decent career. And it's interesting, the last few years at Chesterfield, the players that we seem to have picked up in the squad now that are all winning games have come from further down the pyramid. Probably like hungry, say, that's... And you kind of, as fans, you look at them and go, how have they never played yeah. like League Two, League One? Yeah. even higher up but like you say it's application attitude yeah and hungry players as well I know because I know scouting I know when Kev went to Southport I know um, I was talking to a scout I was trying to recommend somebody who knew you know a lot of long league players and 
all he, all this scout was telling, talking to me about is about hungry players, about hungry players, and that's what you need. And no disrespect to to players who are drifted down from the league and and into here, but it's it's different. It's totally different. So I'm not saying they're not hungry. I want hungry, but there are a lot of hungry players in the lower leagues. Well, well, to finish off then. So it's like 25th anniversary of like the whole FA Cup has started because I think we've already gone past the 25th anniversary of the first round now. So it's mm. like anniversary every match. Yeah. Is that how often do you kind of look back on that? Obviously, you now you're kind of working in development, coaching, and and all sorts. But how often do you look back? Kind of obviously, you've got a reminder on the wall every day. Yeah. I, I don't tend to look back, even when this the reminder on the wall. I, Forget it's there half the time. It's like when they've got a work workman in here, I can see them if they're interested in football. You can see them looking at it and don't say anything. And then about an hour and a half later, did you used to play? Is that uh, you know, it's quite it's quite interesting. They do look at it a lot, but um, I don't tend to look back until somebody. I, I'm not saying I forget, but because you're getting on with life, until somebody actually brings it up. To be honest, um, I'm kind of going forward all the time, going forward, and then somebody will bring it up. What about this semi-final FA Cup? Or you see it on Twitter, or you see the because it's an every year, all you know around the semi-finals and stuff. You start seeing all stuff around it. That's when I probably start thinking about. It. But like I said, even though I've got this behind me, probably drift past it, drift past it most most days, and don't even realise it's there. Don't even realise it's there. Well, if, you, if you're not going to miss it, I'll have it. <laughs> <laughs> I'll send you my address. You can send it up here. <laughs>